And now, the distinguished television news commentator, Mr. Howard Beale. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like at this moment to announce that I will be retiring from this program in two weeks' time because of poor ratings. Since this show was the only thing I had going for me in my life, I have decided to kill myself. I'm going to blow my brains out right on this program a week from today. What the hell's going on? Prepare yourself for a perfectly outrageous motion picture. Howard Beale went up there last night and said what every American feels, that he's tired of all the books. Six, Diana. We're talking about putting a manifestly irresponsible man on national television. I am not putting Howard back on the air. It's not your show anymore, Max. It's mine. I got a feeling I'm being made. You are. Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 29. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And this week we watched the 1976 movie Network. So Charles, tell us about Network. All right. Um, so in Network, um, a longtime news anchor finds out that he's about to lose his job because of poor ratings, um, and kind of goes insane and like threatens to kill himself on air, um, and starts like making mad tirades about how life is bullshit. And this suddenly sparks the interest of the public. So. The programming director, played by Faye Dunaway, sees this and decides to seize it as an opportunity to leverage it into a more popular show to take advantage of these these views. And she also uses that to boost up another show she'd been trying to make about like communist revolutionaries doing terrorist acts. So she's doing both of these shows and the show with the news anchor guy becomes the most popular show on TV. But then his ratings start to fail, and they reason that the only way to get rid of him is to assassinate him. And conveniently, they have the communist revolutionaries on hand to, to shoot him. Uh, and yeah. Then, and then the movie ends. <laughs> yeah, so um, I picked this movie. I think it's an important one. Um, it's also, watching it this time, Cressman and I had the uh, privilege to watch it in the theater at Film Forum at a sold-out show on film. And watching it in that context and watching it now, it seems so remarkably prescient. Like, <laughs> like uh, many of the things that are satirized and presented as satire in this movie ended up kind of almost happening or actually happening in recent history. Um, the uh, Beale character, the uh, guy doing the announcing, is essentially Glenn Beck uh, with better <laughs> politics. Um, it's... A remarkably current film uh, that, and that hit right. me really hard on this viewing, um, more so than it, even more so than I had in the past. Um, so I don't know how, how how do you feel about seeing it in the theater with everyone? Um, I mean, it's a comedy, so it's better to see it. With yeah, they got a lot of laughs. People, yeah. Whenever I see comedies on my own, I'm always like, someone else is here. I'll laugh about. <laughs> it's way yeah. harder to laugh when yeah. you're alone. I, I laugh alone all the time. Which is funny because yeah, it's like a, I do too, but it has to be much funnier. Like the threshold oh, is high. Yeah, maybe you're maybe you're right. I think laughing okay. is like very performative. Like, oh really? <laughs> well, for this reason, right? Okay, I mean, I guess I must experience comedy different than many people. In I that guess because so. I I, I I watch movies alone and laugh alone all the time. I'm always just like, oh, 
That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you don't do that. Slightly when we're watching. through your nose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> funniest. Thing yeah, because yeah, if you did that with another person, that would be really irritating. <laughs> that no, was, that was funny. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. It was. No, that's that's a joke I'm stealing from Conan. He was talking about um, how comedy writers like talk about comedy. Oh, okay. And then <laughs> so one one writer will like pitch to another writer, and the other writer is just like thinking really deeply. He's like. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you respond to comedies when you watch them alone. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Just Unless talk. it's like really funny and yeah. something I've never seen before. What will you laugh at when you're watching it alone? Just I don't know. Something that's really funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So at like four a.m. Everything. Okay. Yeah. Airplane. I think it's me every single time. I laugh. Yeah. I laugh hard. At yeah, airplane. airplane's pretty funny. Yeah, but of course, I la- apparently I laugh at everything. So. <laughs> that, that was, I remember, okay, so like recently, I think there was an episode of Bob's Burgers in the fall that was like their Christmas episode had like a really funny climax. Okay. I remember laughing at that. All right. I'm behind, that on, I'm, I'm behind on that show. That's a good yeah. show though. Yeah. I think it might actually be the best episode. But Okay. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we watched, no the, we watched this in the theater. It was a sold out show. Like we had to buy our tickets ahead of time. Um, and every seat was packed at a 1 p.m. showing on a Sunday afternoon. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I said to you in the theater, I think it's just like in the zeitgeist of like... Yeah. Well, and there was only one screening. Like, they weren't showing mm-hmm. it any other time. So I think that's part of it. But still, like, it was packed. And, like, there was a range of people there, too. There were clearly people that must have seen it on the original theatrical run. And, but also plenty younger people as well. Like, it was... It was a good crowd. And people were laughing, like, oh, a yeah. lot. Oh, yeah. Like, it yeah. went over really well in the theater. Yeah, like, they were, everyone was into it. Like, it totally worked. Um, so, yeah, I think that that speaks to my earlier point that this movie is so modern. Like, it just feels very current most of the time. Um, it Even in its, its politics and, like, its dramatization and its presentation, all of it feels like a movie that could come out next week. Right. And still make perfect still sense. Technology a little bit. Yeah, you yeah you change that kind of stuff. You would talk about the internet more, whatever. But like the way that it's satirizing things and what it's satirizing is spot on. Yeah, currently what's happening. Um, I mean, and what it predicts, aside from Glenn Beck specifically, I mean, what it predicts really well is the melding of entertainment and news, entertainment and information, mm-hmm. um, or rather the takeover of by entertainment. Of, of the news arm. And it, it, like I feel like I couldn't have gotten it any more right. Mm-hmm. I, 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 that's kind of why I picked this movie. Like I feel like it's just uh, on top of being a really well-made film that is constantly cited and emblematic of a very important time in American cinema. Um, it is also just very relevant to what we're doing now. I think it also strongly predicts like reality TV. Sure, yeah. Um, the... It's, uh, the Mouse and Dong like, Hour? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they're, they're fake uh, Symbionese army. I forget yeah. what they're called in the film. The ecumenical... Um, liberation Front? front something, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They and they say the Symbionese Liberation Army. They're like, oh, they're the same thing. And yeah. there's like, there's so many heiresses getting kidnapped <laughs> yeah, yeah, these yeah, days. Yeah, constantly. Uh, and they like actually reference Patty Hearst. Like they use her name. Yeah, which there. is probably like happening like right, at that, that moment. Like so she current. might not have like been... Yeah. Re- release, quote unquote, from that. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, like that was very <laughs> current events. Yeah. Yeah. They actually do like a really amazing job of like critiquing that. Like, yeah. it's so on the nose because it's like this 
guerrilla group that kind of dresses itself up in a, like a Che Guevara kind of manner. Yeah. Um, but has like no clear ideology, but it's also like grouped in with like leftist groups. Right. It has, but it has like its own like very confusing like, I mean, ide- like lack of ideology. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the left, right? Like here's another group that's opposed to this group on the left. Right? Wait, wait, and what it? Yeah, but it also critiques that too, right? Because yes. there's there's yes. the the woman who's like a, a communist who represents yeah. the communist party who has a very clear ideology. She's grouped in with this like yep. insane like guerrilla group. She's very offended yeah. by that. Yeah, so can, rightfully so, right? Yeah. There's yeah. this group that has like no ideology, and they're like, yeah. "Oh, you two are the same. Like you understand each other." Right, and but then they end up working together anyway because the other of money. <laughs> right, the other <laughs> major they theme scooped up by is capitalism. exactly yeah, capitalism yeah. eats everything and quite literally everything in this movie. And if there is one overarching message that this film is trying to get across, it's that. Yeah, it's that. Capital is going to eat up every single thing, including your ideology, your nation, your citizenship, your individuality. Yeah. All of that is going to be in service of profit. And your life. Yeah. Most, right. most importantly. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, you're, you're little, literally breathing. I think this is the most anti-capitalist movie that we've done. Like, this one takes... Yes, or at least most overtly. It takes Marxist ideas as, like, plot points. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does. Yeah, I mean, but it's, like, Marx was more optimistic than this movie, right? Because yeah. Mar- Marx, like, it posited a situation where it would get so bad that people rise up and, and defeat capitalism, and that's the whole premise of Dust Capital. Um, but here it's like, no, that's capital's going to take over and keep taking over and then destroy the world sucked into the thing right yeah yeah exactly and that is that like it's it's almost a neo-marxist movie in that way in that it's kind of it's dour (laughs) yeah in in that yeah it's it's grim and it's like responding to stuff that marx couldn't have predicted or known and integrating that into his theory so you i mean you could read it as dour you could read it as a warning maybe but a lot of this has come to play. Come well, to probably also like, works better as a comedy if it's dark. Yes, like yes, it I mean, wouldn't make sense as like an uplifting. comedy. No, no, you can't I guess, play this straight like, because it's a satire, right? Like some of the stuff here is pretty outlandish, and it's supposed to be read as outlandish. Yeah, um, and I and increasingly right, so. and increasingly it does a good absurd. job like escalating its outlandishness. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to the most outlandish point where you're killing someone because they are making you enough money. Right, but it, it starts like re- really small, right? Where this right. guy just kind of goes off the cusp on, on right. cuff on on air, yeah, which is like totally believable. Yeah, spark, and then turns into this like well, and that like what he resolution, what he revolution. threatened to do literally happened at one point, right? There was that woman in Florida that at a local station yeah. who killed herself on air that was dramatized recently in a Rebecca Hall movie, a grossly underrated actress. Um, and she that she did it. She pulled out a gun live on TV in the middle of her br- broadcast and shot herself in the head. And I did not hear about that. It yeah. happened I in like I heard early of a 90s. guy doing that. It's no, I think it was in like late eighties, maybe. Yeah, like earlier than that. Um, yeah. But it happened. Yeah, like that is what Beale threatened to do actually took place. And the, the show that he made is, is was essentially on air for several years during the Bush administration. And the Dunaway's whole idea of bringing together the news and the entertainment is you know cnn right now and fox etc etc so much of this is just reality right now 
I think you're giving too much credit to CNN for being entertaining. <laughs> yeah, well, they're attempting to be entertaining. To. Yeah. <laughs> if you're trapped in the prison cell that is an airport or a gym. Yeah, or an actual maybe. prison. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. And even then, it's like, well, there's also, like, the carpet you can stare at. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, I mean, CNN yeah. isn't the most successful at being entertaining, but that is their goal, right? That, that's what they're attempting to do. I don't know. You know, you think that they're actually... If they are, they're terrible at it. Yeah, well, yeah. Really? yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the reason yeah. nobody wants to watch that shit. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, I mean, this is more than just a political movie. It's also a movie movie. And it's... It's so well written. Right? Like, the dialogue is so well written. Like, that... It, it, it struck me more this time that there's these little tropes within the way that these lines are constructed and, like, these repeated phrases that they use a lot uh, it it was so funny and just so well constructed in that respect uh, it hit me hard this time and maybe it was because of the audience effect or the live mm-hmm. audience effect but mm-hmm. yeah like it it functions so well as a film what did you think of the writing Charles it was like I I definitely noticed it, it like stood out yeah. to me how clever there's a, it was. there's a style to it yeah yeah I can't remember specific lines now but I remember being impressed by a lot of like the speeches that were made a lot of the little lines that they threw in here and there uh, some of the kind of meta TV commentary they had in the affair side plot yeah like that uh, that was, was probably yeah like that got a little maudlin at times but, yeah I mean like I wasn't but you can always fall back on like the meta thing of yeah it. I wasn't yeah. entirely convinced by the existence of that plot line but I thought his little like meta quips about TV plots and how you know people start kind of assimilating TV into their lives and behave according to what yeah. they expect Which, from TV. You know, I thought that was an interesting point, interesting idea. Yeah, it was well written. Yeah, well, and it feeds back into the larger themes of of capital eating everything. But it, mm-hmm. it it's not. But the products of capital are also like inescapable in our lives, right? Like even if you're making a conscious effort to not behave in the way that pop culture represents relationships or whatever the heck you're doing, like you're still reacting you're still acting and living in response to it yeah like there's no way to get out of it there's no way to not in some way have this inform what you're doing literally every day in the most intimate moments of your life and like it's kind of horrifying in that way (laughs) (laughs) it's a very troubling idea um so yeah there are a few lines i think that the best like the most memorable line for me other than like the famous line that everybody quotes um is when uh Beale is called into Jensen's office, the guy that runs the big corporation, which, speaking of which, was, is called the CCA, which is, of course, now the Corrections Corporation of America. Like, I kept thinking of that. Or the uh, California College of Art. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I almost <laughs> I, went to grad school there. I didn't, I'm not familiar with that institution. Uh, but yeah, the CCA is like the big private prison corporation. Um, but, but when he called, when that guy, Jensen, calls him in. The, the Dursey looking dude? The Dursley looking dude. Dursley. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Ned Beatty. Um, and he has the, you're, you're meddling with the primal forces of nature. That like, was awesome. That was, it's the best scene in the movie, probably. Um, I, that one worked really well for me. He's in the movie for like two minutes. He's barely there. Like, he steals it. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it's like a little Alec Baldwin <laughs> speech. It's right? exactly like that. Yeah, it's just yeah. like Baldwin and uh, Glenn Clary and Ro- Glenn Ross. 
Have you seen that? I haven't seen it. I know of that one scene. Okay. Have you seen that one scene? Yeah. Yeah. It's the beginning of the movie, so it works on its own. Yeah. That. So, but yeah, it's That's that fine. same kind you of thing. You can skip the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen the whole thing. It's fine. Um, it's also like forty minutes or something. No, no. It's it's, it's like a movie length, but it's. Oh, okay. um, yeah. The the best part is the first ten minutes when Baldwin shows up. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that that scene where he just lays out like how the world functions according to him. Um, is is brilliant like it's yeah. it's the most important scene of the best scene of the movie um and he's really young there and beady like he went on to have a big career yeah, after that um but there are a lot of good performances here uh we've seen faye dunaway before in chinatown yep. she's very different in this one she's yes. got some range yes she does she won an oscar for this one okay uh for actress in a leading role uh yeah i thought Probably the best performance in the movie. Like, I think it's one of three that she won. Yeah, in her over the course of her career. Uh-huh. That yeah, I think she won for Bonnie and Clyde, uh-huh. right? Uh, nope, she lost. Really, to Catherine Hepburn, who won for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Oh, okay, that makes sense because so it was she's nominated. It was the same year that Anne Bancroft was nominated for The Graduate. Really, and mm. should have won that. But. Yes, you should have. Uh, yeah, she <laughs> wins for Network, and she's nommed for Chinatown. Okay, that's it. Okay, yeah, I mean this was. Yeah. A very good performance. Like she, she definitely earned it. Uh, I think she loses Chinatown to Ellen Burson, who's playing Alice doesn't live here anymore. Oh, really? Okay, that's interesting. I've never heard of it. Um, I have heard of it. I haven't seen it, but I'm aware of it. Uh, I think this movie won for best actress, best actor, mm-hmm. and best supporting actress. Yeah, for um, the one scene that Schumacher's wife is in. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. She was pretty sweet. Yeah. I mean, she does the jilted I, wife. I think only racism explains that because the woman who plays the communist, like, yeah, crushes it. Clearly, yeah. it was and giving the bread. Has a longer role in the movie. Yeah. And more important to what's going on. And yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it lost best picture to Rocky, right? Which is actually a pretty close call. Like, uh, 77 was a good year. Um, it won for best original screenplay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well earned. Um, but yeah, Rocky's a. It's the safer pick for the Academy, but uh, yeah. um, also a good Peter movie. Finch also died before he collected his really uh, Academy Award. I did not know that. Which guy is that? That's Beale. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I thought he looked very similar to Schumacher, so it was confusing at times. <laughs> Craggy middle-aged man. Yeah. 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 yeah <laughs> they look the same. They're confusing. Yeah. Together, and they they're friends. They play. Like initially, very similar roles. Yes. In the film. Yeah. Well, I mean, like that yeah, opening. The first scene, I, yeah. I, they like switched places and I didn't realize who was who. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's easy to do. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it helps that one of them's William Holden and like he's a known actor, more more known than. Uh, I hadn't seen Finch. him in anything else before this, I don't think. So. Yeah. I mean, he's he has a long career. He's been around a while. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the only other posthumous Academy Award except for Heath Ledger. Interesting. Yeah. That's. I did not know that. That's a good bit of trivia right there. Yeah. Right. yeah. I could put that on the list. Um, but yeah, I think Faye Dunaway it, it kind of steals the show outside of the, you know, Ned Beatty scene. But oh, yeah. Yeah. There, uh, my favorite moment from her is when she is talking to Robert Duvall and he says something like, you want to put some maniac who's going to yell about bullshit on TV? And she just like has this like kind of crazy, obvious nod <laughs> that she wants to do. She's like, yeah, <laughs> like, of course I do. <laughs> and, and it's just like, the, it's this perfect moment from her. Right. She's so energetic and yeah. aggressive. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's very much like the the type of personality you would expect from an executive. Yeah, she, she nails the type 
really yeah. well, but it's it doesn't feel like a type. It still feels like a character to me. Um, and just like oh, there's so many little things in that performance, like the way that she uh, is holding her fork when she's eating on her date with Schumacher, and she's like kind of leaning forward and like really casual about how she's flipping her fork around and like eating while she's talking and all this stuff. Like there's not paying attention. There's to her so fork usage. yeah, there's so many just like tiny little moments that she gives us throughout this movie that like adds so much texture and and depth to this character. Um, the, that entire scene where they like go down to the uh, to the beach and she's just like talking about work like throughout yeah. the entire date and like yeah. while they're sleeping together and afterwards it just a great performance <laughs> a great like micro performance right there like she knocks it out of the park here just a really an all-time great performance I think um yeah what, what do we think about? You agree? Okay, yeah. <laughs> we are on the same page. Yeah. Uh, what do we think? A lot of great performances, though. They're all great, like, really. In addition, right? Because I, I remember being blown away by Robert Duvall as yes. well. When he would have a Robert lot of his, like, angry episodes. He just seems <laughs> very intimidating and like. Yeah. Robert Duvall is is one of the the best uh, cinematic yellers of all time. Yeah. I think. Um, have you seen any? It. Have you seen any other Duvall movies? I feel like I've seen him in something. But well, you've I seen the first. One. You've seen the first Godfather, right? Yeah. Okay, so he plays the lawyer in that okay. movie. Um, oh, here's another fun bit of trivia. Do you know what Robert Duvall's first performance is? His, his screen debut. It's uh, as Boo Radley in To Kill a Mockingbird, where he has no lines. He's just the guy behind the the door for a little while. So. Yeah, scary. Yeah, early walk in. And... Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like he's an important character, but it's a character that doesn't speak and only shows up in one scene. It's like, hey, Robert Duvall when he's like twenty. <laughs> okay. He's super young, um, but yeah, he's great in this movie. Uh, my favorite Duvall line is when he says, um, "I'm a man without a corporation," <laughs> which is such a good twist on you know the the whole point of the movie. Yeah. Um, just drives it home and is funny at the same time. Um, he, yeah, he is always good, but it's he's good here to, too. to uh, appear angry in a, uh, in like a tuxedo a shirt. <laughs> yeah. No, not just the tux, but he has Yeah, the, like the really fancy tux. Really frilly shirt. Oh, yeah. It's funny that the very first scene he shows it's up in, he, he goes to this business yeah. meeting in a tux for some reason. Yeah, well, it reminded me of, uh, <laughs> I haven't seen 30 Rock, but there's that image of uh, yes. Alec Baldwin's character in a tux and... He's like, it's after six. What am I, a farmer? Yeah, yeah. Like that, that, I can't believe you haven't seen 30 Rock, but that episode is like one of the best episodes. And there's a reason you know that line because it's yeah. one of the funnier lines. <laughs> what am I, a farmer? Uh, so, yeah, exactly. He does have Alec Baldwin. That, that's why he's there in a yeah. tux, right? Just to show how ridiculous he is. Yeah, I, I, or he was like coming from some other event. Like yeah, that wasn't like clear to me. But it's still it's important that he's showing up in a tuxedo while everyone else is like has their suit jacket off and their tie undone yeah. and like you know looks like they've worked an actual day um so yeah he he kills it like i i like duvall in general i like him particularly in this movie uh, i think the movie's interesting because like it, it sort of sets you up to think that the movie's going to be about howard beale but then he's, yeah, well, yeah, he's kind of like a sideshow and he gets shoved aside to the actual yeah. plot of the film yeah 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 cause, or especially to the actual message of the film right because the message of the film is not what beale is saying Right, like that, yeah. that because it, it tricks you in that respect too. Like they think it's you think it's going to be about how oh everything is bullshit and we have to all get really angry about everything and about his like character arc. Right, right, and like how, how you guess we're supposed to be following and like yeah. that's not the messaging here, really. Yeah, it's, it's totally of, incidental. It's kind of parallel yeah. to the theme where like under capitalism, your message doesn't matter. You just need to sell it to people. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. And that that's what gets him killed, right? Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, is that no one's buying his message. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're right. Because the, the, what this movie is really about is what we were saying earlier, that you can't have a life in every sense, literal and figurative sense. You can't have a life under capitalism, really. That mm-hmm. it will, you have to serve the profit motive. Or that's it. Yeah. And that's now what Beale's talking about. And and then when he starts talking about it, like when he is persuaded by the Ned Beatty character, we don't actually hear. We get like the one speech at the end where he turns his message is like corrupted. Right. And we don't it's not even depicted. Like we don't we don't get it on screen anymore. We get like one bit of it and that's it. Whereas we were getting full speeches about the Arab sale and all that other shit before. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, interesting writing choice really. <laughs> So I like that. Um, but we did, uh, I mentioned earlier, we saw this on Filmstock. Yeah. Yeah. And it was uh, well used. <laughs> yes. It well was loved, you said, I think. Well loved. Yeah. Yes, it was well loved. Because, uh, yeah, there were multiple moments where, like, the image would freeze for a couple seconds and the sound would continue and then it would, like, catch up later on. Yeah, there were also, like, you corruption. Got a fight club moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There were, like, corruptions in the audio yeah. at points as well. Yeah, um, there, and... Throughout, there were uh, artifacts on the screen. There yeah, was... it looked like it had been sandpapered. Yeah, that really. Yeah. Uh, which, on the one hand, is like distracting, right? Because it's like here's all this. Stuff. I spent a lot of time like looking at like different <laughs> artifacts on the screen. Right, like there was. They're, they're so it's the fine vintage. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's such an analog format in yeah. that way, where it's like, oh, we can like literally see the film. Right, right yeah. now. Right, it, it makes was, you very aware that you're watching something physical. It's yeah, like listening yeah. to music on a record. Right? Yep. you can hear all the little crackles and the pops and the warmth. It's, it's exactly like it that. Has, yeah, it can have an appeal to it. No, I, I think it worked because we saw this in at the film forum. Um, they are current. I think when this posts, they'll still be currently running a series about 70s. Uh, 70, 70s cinema in New York specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are a New York listener, go check it out because it was really cool. We went there. Um, and I think it was uh, that effect, that film grain effect, was particularly effective in that context, right? Because it, it made you really aware that you're watching something older, um, but it also felt really grimy and dirty and used, which I think is what they're trying to evoke both in this series and in this film specifically, right? We're talking about a setting in... New York. They're setting this movie in New York. They could have easily set it in L.A. or Chicago or wherever. Um, at a time when the city is not making any money, people are poor, people can't find jobs. They have numerous references to the recession uh, in the film itself. And it feels like it, it, that the film, the film is literally decaying in the same time as the ideals are decaying. Uh, in the in the film, right? And you yeah. laugh, but it that's what it evoked for me. Okay, <laughs> you're oh, you're so anti-nostalgia that I'm surprised that you like it so much. <laughs> oh no, I, that's not even a nostalgia thing. It's more of a like a form and message coming together mm-hmm. thing, right? It read just as, like nostalgia to me. That film forum loves showing stuff on reels and oh really old films and yeah, why not? It's yeah. a complete nostalgia for the analog movie right? I, i'm not sure i, I think it, that's a part of it right i think that's yeah. a significant part of it uh i think there is also a a appeal and a, a you you get a different experience yeah. right because it 
films aren't just watched, they're experienced, right? And watching it on film stock in the theater with a guy up there that was trying to use a projector, right? Like, is a different experience than the guy who puts the disc in the projector and hits play and lets the digital film run, right? Like, that, I, I, I feel different. I don't think that even happens anymore. I, I guess I don't. For movies, they just get digital files that they download oh, okay. from, like, so this, click on some? central service. Okay, so there's, like, literally nothing physical involved. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think so, they moved away from that, especially because one of the prints of, like, one of the Star Wars movies was stolen. Oh, yeah, that's true. 2000s, uh, early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, that did happen. Yeah. Well, and so screeners are still stolen all the time, right? Like, if you... Yeah, well, they still send out DVDs. And, right, exactly. So, like, if you want The best to, thing is if your friends are in the academies to get their screeners. <laughs> to get their screeners and have <laughs> yeah. little feet on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but sometimes, like, they'll st- just steal them off somebody's desk, right? Like, just some schmuck is walking along, there's a screener. You just snag it, um, which is easy to do uh, if you work there. But... Yeah, to, to my point, like, I've, I, nostalgia's a part of it. Nostalgia, I think, does play a role, but I've, I, I feel like I'm watching a movie in a different way. And it leads to a different reading uh, when I see movies that way. I'm assuming you didn't see the film grain in your version, Charles? No, no. So it's some, like, digital restoration. Digital version, yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm sure this has been restored. Like, this is, it's, I mean, it's not that old, really. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. it's a really famous movie. So I've, yeah, when I was watching it, like it, it was so distracting that in my mind, I was like, "Well, but like this is how you would do the like digital restoration." <laughs> like, yeah, I have no idea what the technology is, looks like behind that, but I don't think it's that complicated. But I think you just like so what what you end up seeing are all these like little black spots on yeah. the screen. Yeah. So like, you just have like a computer algorithm that like looks for color around that and just like fills in the. Yeah. Well, and I, I suppose yeah. there's probably more than one actual. Film stack still floating around, so if you get, oh yeah, yeah, yeah you so do it for like this it's one. missing in this yeah. one, so you just go to the next one, and you can probably just smush them together, yeah. digitally and fill in the blanks that way. Yeah, I love the um, the stories of like the fan made restorations oh, okay. of the original Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, of like it's like the OG cut where some people found right, like the unspecial yep. editions. Yes, yeah, yes. which is um, apparently hard to get, but yeah, people like went way out of their way to like find different parts of the film from different yeah. stocks and like reassembled its like original Star Wars context. Insane, they are, <laughs> but it's probably like a way better movie. Oh, I have no doubt because the yeah. the ones that were released in like '99 were. Yeah, a travesty, like a yeah. crime. It was a relief yeah. to be able to watch them when we were rewatching <laughs> them before The Force Awakens. Yeah. yeah. Um, none of that random CG bullshit just well, come so, out of nowhere. It, it's so incongruous, right? Like, even if it yeah. was good CG or even if it was, like, showing you something that was cool or whatever, like, it still yeah. would be weird and distracting because yeah. nothing else looks like that. It, it's, it's just very obviously pasted in. Right, it's such yeah. a weird choice. Such a strange choice to, to do that. And then I don't understand why Disney hasn't released the original editions, it, they would make a ton of money. Yeah, I don't know like if George would, Lucas like, wrote a little... Maybe there's a clause there. in there. Just be waiting for him to die. Ma- like, yeah, that's a plausible yeah. guess. <laughs> uh, but they, it would, it's a license to print money. They would get a mint out of that. I have no idea what they're, what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyways, um, for network, I don't know. To me, that just like red is nostalgia so really purely yeah and yeah. entire okay so if which you, i'm fine with like that's what you go to the film forum for yeah. well it, sometimes yeah i know they're also like doing this programming around the 70s but that in and of itself is also like a nostalgic act so i mean not everything old is nostalgic right mm-hmm. like there is 
I mean, it depends what you mean by, by nostalgia. I mean, the whole theater seems like an exercise in nostalgia. So. It, I mean, to a certain extent, <laughs> although they get original runs of new movies. Yeah. Right? Like they, and, it, and, and they get runs of movies that you really aren't going to see screened anywhere else. Right? Like that, it, that, which is valuable. And also just seeing something in the theater is different, right? Like, no, I, not, I agree. I'm, yeah. Like, I'm I, the biggest defender of that. I think yeah. you should always try and see it. Like, I was, I was thinking, I was actually thinking about that on my way to the film forum for this screening because it was the fourth movie I saw in theaters this week. Um, <laughs> and so I was, I was thinking about that, like, and like what, why that is, like, why we seek out the theater beyond the obvious reason of like it's a bigger screen, mm-hmm. um, especially now when you can just order up anything in your living room and, and watch it. And I feel like, and I don't know, maybe you guys have a different perspective on this, but there is value in going to a specific place at a specific time to experience art with, and have that be the point, right? Like that's why you're doing it, right? Like as opposed to when you do it at home, it's just another thing that you have at home, right? Mm-hmm. And when you do it in the theater, you don't you don't have your phone there that you can just look at. You can't run to the kitchen and get food. You can't like pause it and fuck around on the internet for a while, mm-hmm. right? Like you're there for that purpose, right? Like for that singular thing and that singular experience. And I mean, like, that is, I, I think, like, that's why I go to the theater so often and why I find it valuable and why it's worth preserving in a time when we're moving so far away from it. But, no, I think I the know. film even engages with that idea, like, of, but from a TV perspective, like, yeah. the film is interested in TV and how it affects its audience. Mm-hmm. It's, like, obviously very influenced by McLuhan. Yes. Who, um, so the medium of the message, the medium is the message. Yeah. Um, we saw in Annie Hall. Yeah. Yes. Briefly. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> briefly appears in <laughs> yeah. Annie Hall. Um, but yeah, the, the film is very much like about TV and engages with like a lot of people who are like really interested in TV at the time. With yeah. Luhan being one of them, well, I and, think. Uh, yeah. Well, and it even goes back to like a Roald Dahl like critique of. Okay. TV. Sure. And Ray Bradbury, who's also like very interesting TV. I mean, so that's it's, like what, very much like in the zeitgeist. That's what time. Fahrenheit 451 was apparently really about. Um, yeah, TV. And, 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 like, it was not about censorship. And... It was about television. Huh. According um, to Ray Bradbury. Yeah, <laughs> yeah according to him. Yeah. Um, it, well, and yeah. about television as a transitory uh, form, right? Like this, this thing that is not artistic, right? Like if you look at the expression, human expression existing on a continuum between art and pornography. You have television much closer to pornography as like it's something that's entirely indulgent and like just there to give you you know moment to moment satisfaction or the more like McLuhan theory about it where it's like it the TV consumes you you are sure. not the one that's like consuming TV yeah which is and the that's literally what Beale says like once he gets it's like big show he just yeah. like tells everyone to turn off the TV <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is great and it doesn't get him canceled and he says turn off the TV multiple <laughs> times in his yeah. speeches the first to get everybody to go yell at the window yep. and the second is like the opening of his big show and he tells people to not watch <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't tune in yeah. well and uh, that that's the entire Dunaway uh, William Holden arc right is these yeah. people that whose relationship has been entirely subsumed by television both in the sense that she is totally preoccupied with her work and in the sense that like you pointed out earlier Charles that they're just mimicking following the, the script the, yeah the, the trite drama that is shown in, in, in TV movies uh, so, 
Yes, you're correct. Uh, this movie also correctly identifies uh, baby boomers as the worst generation <laughs> <laughs> since slavery, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, the real enemy is capitalism. It, yeah, I mean, but they're like the ones that embrace it. It shouldn't right? be a generational conflict. It should be a class conflict. Yeah, okay, yes. Yeah. Yes, it should be. But man, baby boomers are the fucking worst. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I'm wondering is, I feel like this kind of commentary or condemnation of new technology happens every time something new comes out. Sure. Right? They did it with computers and the internet. They're doing it now with smartphones and apps. Yep. Uh, they probably did it for books. They did do it for books. Novels. They all involve yeah, the Nazis burn not books, talking so to other people, like right? And so they claim that they're shallow or disingenuous or taking away from like proper human interaction or whatever. Yeah, I, so think, I think they do that for everything. Yeah, Isn't that yeah. meaningful anymore? Yeah, they, they did it with novels even before, well before the Nazis. Like when novels were a new thing, they were talking about it how... It happens today. People burn like Harry Potter books. Yeah, even now. But, they, they, but, they're not, yeah. but they're not attacking novels as like a form, right? But when, not, when novels were first showing up, like fictionalized storytelling in book form, long form, uh, there were warnings in like Victorian era newspapers about how husbands shouldn't allow their wives to read novels or else they'll get ideas. And oh, yeah, of course. Comics were the same thing too. When oh, comics yeah. first came out, they were like, don't let your kids read comics, they'll corrupt them. Right, right. I love the answer is always to burn it, which is hilarious. Yeah. It's like this object, like, take that. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> like you're excising some sort of demon from it. Yeah. 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 It's like, like you like grab it and shake it. You're like, it, you. Yeah, there's something wrong here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, no, but you, your point, Charles, I think is well taken, that we hear these critiques all the time, and I think if that's the extent of your critique of television or whatever, pick your medium, um, you're not thinking about it that hard. Like, I, I agree that that's not very thoughtful. Yeah, I feel it's, like I've, I've heard that kind of argument time and time again, and nowadays they're all talking about it for like dating apps, and yeah. how it like trivializes human interaction or whatever, it makes it cheap. Yeah, I still feel like TV is kind of the ultimate one, though. Although Facebook is like <coughs> quickly closing, um, but because we live in an era where TV is so good, it's hard not to watch TV. Yeah. and every single show is great. Yeah, and everybody else watches the shows too. So you're like, you're kind of left out if you like, you avoid watching television mm -hmm. shows. Yeah, and. I don't know how you guys have reacted to it, but in my life, I've had to be like, okay, I'm going to watch these three shows. Yeah. And that's it. You I'm sorry. Just, I just like can't. You got to I just kind of yeah. pick up what kind of yeah. happens because I have a hard yeah. time picking up new shows. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's just say, like, I mean, Game of Thrones just premiered at this point. If you haven't watched Game of Thrones, we're seven seasons in. Yeah, you're just out. You're just not going to watch it at this point. Like, there's no catching up. Um, but there, yeah. there's. There's so much variety and so much quality that it's like it's so difficult like not to engage with. Which is, yeah. a, I mean, I, it's funny to characterize that as a problem, right? Like that there's too much good stuff <laughs> out there, which was is not the problem in network, right? Like that's not what they're talking about. <laughs> they're saying that there's a lot of stuff out there, and most of it's and almost all of it is garbage, and it's there to destroy your life, mm -hmm. right? Like that. That's what's going on. Yeah, this, it's the same problem, but. It's good, right? It's so good, and it will destroy your life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it, yes and no. Like, it, it does consumption of too much art make you worse? Like, there's a limit to everything, obviously. But on the other hand, I, I, I have a hard time saying that if you are engaging with this in an honest, thoughtful, sincere way, that you're worse off because of it. Right? I, I think that, that's, that there is actual useful things to be learned about life from shows like 
Breaking Bad, Sopranos, The Wire, right? And that to complain that there's too much shows that are existing on that level, I don't know. Is that I think the only well, I think one of the concerns <laughs> around this, and Beal gets to this in the movie, is that like life, like contemporary life, is mostly meaningless, and so if you are to like fill the void of life with TV, like. I don't know, just like to be like careful about that. It's like, yeah. what, what is it that you are filling if if this is what you're spending I, your time? No, with? I I agree that that there's a bad way to consume art, right? Like there, I remember reading somewhere about how uh, there was a group of people that would get together and watch The Sopranos every week, and men, young men, would get together and watch The Sopranos every week, and they would wait for the warning before the show that says, you know, TVMA because of violence and dismemberment and blah, blah, blah. And if whenever it said nudity, they would cheer. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> if you're engaging with The Sopranos in that way, you are watching TV badly. Right? Like, that is not what you're supposed to yeah, be Yeah, but doing. that's like an easy audience to dunk on. It's <laughs> right. like, but, 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 but it I think the question is, like, in your yeah. own life, like, what, why are you watching TV? And is, right. it, is it to, pro- to provide meaning to yourself? Right. And, yeah. and, and that's why we should be engaging with all of our media, not just period, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that you can point that finger at film. You can do the same thing with comics, novels, video games, yep. internet, whatever. Totally. Yeah. So if the the message here is that we should be more aware of what we're how we're consuming, that's a good takeaway. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, the like the only like if your answer is like I can't engage with any of these mediums, then you're just kind of this like hermit out in the woods right Right. that's like the only the only way to do that yeah yeah or like your dad isn't in your life and so you go hiking all the time and like climb everest right so (laughs) yeah yeah so i mean there's always some sort of vice that like you fill your life with for whatever reason and like you should ask yourself like why yeah and yeah yes yeah why and and what yeah and how like these are yeah, the important questions. Um, so the other the other thing that Bill gets at, which I think is interesting, is sort of like populist anger, which I think is one of the reasons that the yeah. film is like very prescient like, yes. out mm-hmm. of this moment. And he doesn't do a good job of answering that because he doesn't seem to have the like ideological chops to provide answers. Like he no. knows to be angry, and he knows that things are wrong, which I yeah. think anybody can identify. Right? You just yeah. have to like. If you have this like hole in your heart and you don't feel good about mm-hmm. things, you'll get angry, and then the answer is to sort of like scream to yell about it. Yeah, right. Yeah. He doesn't have like a clear ideological solution to that, which I think is the issue with Beale. Yes, I agree. And when he starts to pitch a capitalist solution at the end, because he's been converted by yeah. or duped into uh, his new message by this like corporate overlord, right. That's when he starts to lose his audience, yeah. Because his message, like, is not the correct solution, which the audience like recognizes right. and the stops masses. watching. Yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah. it it's because he starts finding his way to an ideology, right? Because what because the thing that gets him called into Ned Beatty's office is political action, it, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's him anti corporate political action yes. specifically, right? Like when he starts calling out in concrete terms what is causing the bad thing and what you can do about it, right? Like that's when they start getting angry. And I think that is also very predictive of what's what's going on now, right? Because what the right has essentially has been doing for the past 15, 20 years, or at least since Fox News, is 
it's just weaponizing that anger and weaponizing that lack of ideology. And then they can fill it in with whatever they want or just fill it in with nothing. Well, you can target that anger somewhere right. to the wrong right. place. Yes. Right. right. To the wrong yeah. thing that's like destroying people's lives. Yeah. Which with a bad excuse. Racism, usually. Yes. Or classism. <laughs> yep. Or uh, misogyny. Yep. Or misogyny. Yep. Versus like, here's, you know, Beale gets at the right, starts to get the right solution. And then they, is, correct. like the, the power of corporations over people uh, people's lives yeah to yeah. dismantle any kind of meaning that you can have right um, although it's a little ironic religion. that he's most successful when he's speaking out against the corporation <coughs> like right. he's most capitalistically successful when he's speaking out against it um and then the opposite when he starts speaking for it right it yeah it's this weird kind of snake eating its own tail in that respect yeah. right because Warboards. they of like the the there it's capitalists operating on different levels Right, because you have Jensen, you have the Ned Beatty character who is looking at this very macro level picture where he's saying it's okay to take a loss here because it will ensure the perpetuation of the capital state and the corporate mm -hmm. state into the future, well into the future. Whereas the next level down, where you have Faye Dunaway and uh, Robert Duvall and the people who conspired to kill uh, Beale in that office are looking at a much shorter term, right? So it's this, it's groups in power, but with very different kinds of power, which is a theme that has come up in other movies that we've discussed. Um, and I think you see it playing out again here. That That's what you're pointing to. Because um, they, they don't care about perpetuating corporate, you know, power forever because they aren't really participating in it, mm -hmm. right? They're, they care about personally enriching themselves. And for, for them, the mode of personally enriching yourself is to create surplus for the stockholders because that's how they get raises. Because, and they don't care about making a world more hospitable to corporations because they're going to die someday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like um, Aaron Sorkin watched this movie and took away the like completely wrong message. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because the, the newsroom... Is, Fuck that show. Is the worst show. Of, <laughs> God. And there's been a lot of critique of Sorkin lately, so none of these ideas are, like, super original. But, like, it seems like he watched Network, and his solution was, we just need to go back to this dry news model yeah. and, like, take away the entertainment part. We just need to, like, tell the facts to people. Yeah. If people just, like, had facts, things would be better. No. And that's, like, the, not Beale, but the other old guy. Schumacher. Uh, Schumacher, that's his solution, right? Yeah. Is they're all nostalgic for the Murrow days where we're all investigative reporters and we break the news and we take down the government. Yeah. That, that's just like the completely wrong message that this movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, this movie is correct that that old model like doesn't work at all. Right. And that's, that's just it. It's, it's not that it's not that it's, it's dry and like ineffective. It's ineffective. And, right. Yeah. That's the thing. Right. Not that right. they're like have some sort of bad morality because of it or something right. like that. They just are identifying a bad strategy. Right. And there's yeah. tons of movies that are like um, so nostalgic for that because it's like uh, All the President's Men is like all about that. Yep. So like in uh, All the President's Men, it's a story of like the Watergate <laughs> scandal and how journalists like took took down the president. Right. Or uh, Good like, Night and Good Luck, the Clooney movie. Right. Right. Same thing. Exactly. Yep. I mean, even to a certain extent, uh, Spotlight, right? Like not quite as much because mm -hmm. it's kind of acknowledging that this form is dying 
but it's also a celebration of it. Right? Well, but Spotlight was more interesting though, because like it, it was able to connect like sort of like people's individual lives and culture and like sort of a much larger net of corruption. Yeah, well, and human failure, just like normal human failure. Right. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It was yeah. a better movie than Good Night, Good Luck. Or yeah, 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 totally. So to like pile one more onto Sorkin, it, it seems like he just like <laughs> completely misunderstood this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because he's so uh, purely liberal. Yeah. Right. Like he is just in almost a classical sense. He is just so liberal, and this movie. But it, this movie critiques that, right? Yes, so exactly. When he, when he yes. gets to like his final speech, where it's like, "Okay, we've succeeded. Now we just need to stop here." Right. Because he's been co-opted by this like evil corporate guy. Yep. To like, okay, now you need to like do this. Yep. Um, that, that worked, but no, yeah. yeah. So now he's like, okay, now we got what we want. So let's just stop here. And it's right. Like, no. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's another like, step. Grab your pitchforks. Step. Like you're almost there. Yeah, right. Like, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and that's I think that's really the fundamental failure of liberalism is that it is ignoring these material facts of the world. Right. Like it's ignoring that even if the old model of journalism was good in the 1940s or whatever. Technology has changed. Like the the way we're interacting with media has changed, and it's just not taking that into account. And it's, yeah, that's it, what Sarkin misunderstands. He's like, yeah. we just need informa better information. Yeah, and that's, it's, it's not about the information; it's about how we get the, the information. Uh, same critique of like Vox. Like, yeah, Vox the same way. Like Vox is like, isn't this cool? Like, doesn't this this work? This works this way. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. and they'll, they'll have like little tiny like peak, like pinpoints of light where it's like, oh, they're they're about to do something good, and then yeah. they're just like. Here's how voting works. Like they have like a, a graphic on that. It's like, this doesn't help anybody, Vox. Like, how a bill comes along. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's schoolhouse rock for adults. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that this critique that critique is in this movie. Yeah, like this is a it, in that sense a radical film. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Like it's yeah. It, it is beyond just critiquing because it is offering uh the solution. It's there's such a clear thematic through line, and it's in the script, right? Like it's mm -hmm. not. It, it, this is clearly a film that was written the right way, right? Like it was written with the the purpose in mind first, right? Like that that there was a a reason why this was driving this writer, and you see it at every single step. And when uh, when a movie keeps that in mind and keeps those thematic tissue at the center of what they're doing, you get a film that you watch in a theater 50 years after it was released. Right? Like, and that's just what good filmmaking looks like. Yeah. Good writing looks like. It pays off. One right. thing I was thinking about was there was a bit of a sub-point in the Schumacher and Faye Dunaway relationship where he comments on how uh, they only follow the scripts they see on TV. I yeah. mentioned it before, but he seems to <laughs> criticize that people uh, kind of mold their lives to these scripts because they see it on TV and s use it as kind of a role model, right? Mm -hmm. But I wonder if that's really a legitimate criticism because, you know, throughout the entirety of history, we've been telling each other stories. And yeah. Those are it's how we survive. very influential to how we perceive things, what we value, how we live our lives. So how is it different that we get that from a TV? We get it from a corporation, right? Like, the, it, it's not honest. Right, because good, good storytelling comes from truth, right, and and honesty and sincerity and empathy, and these 
corporate, you know, by the number stories aren't concerned with that, right? Like they're not concerned with drawing out the depth of character that this person is feeling if you're just like churning out the movie next week and then here's the movie next week. Well, they week. say in the film, yeah. it's like what whatever CPM they can get is like what they're interested in. They're like, oh, yeah. we can get $6 per thousand on, on this. Right, this exactly. Because it, it, it's, it's, it's what, like that's really what they want is yeah. a higher CPM. Yeah, it's it, it just like what was driving this movie was, you know, purpose and telling a truth and like bringing us mm-hmm. some sort of, you know, message to humanity. That is the opposite of what's driving those TV movies, right? Like that's being driven by the CPM by how much money they can make uh, per minute. And so if it, it's not that it's, it's stories are a fundamental. Per thousand. What was it? Per thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I work in the ad business. So. <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. Um, so it, I mean, I, it's not so much that I think I don't think he's critiquing story as useful or as not being something that we need because this is a story. Right, like network is a story. Yeah, um, it's saying that if we want our stories to have value and meaning and impact on our lives, we need to be making them well, and we need to be making them in a way that isn't indulgent, but is it's teaching us something about ourselves and making us better and bringing us closer to the good. But we do have a lot of good content these days, even if it's made to sell. Right, I like to think that quality does sell. It does. I mean, that's kind of the irony of it is that. If you we here's a movie that came out 50 years ago that does all of that good storytelling stuff right, and yeah. we're watching it in the theater. Yeah. I paid fifteen dollars to go watch it. <laughs> you know how many years later they're still making money on it. You know, like many of the movies we watched, right? Like you look at the the Spielberg classics, who does all all this stuff right every time. You know they're still making money on Jaws. Yeah, yeah. So I mean it's kind of again just this snake eating its own tail. This like hyper irony that. Like bringing us closer to the truth of an anti-capitalist message is good for capital. Mm-hmm. It eats everything. Yep. This movie reminded <laughs> yeah. me of. It's funny to say it reminded me of, but I guess I watched them out of chronological order. But it reminded me of like a long episode of Black Mirror. I okay. Guess. You haven't seen the episodes, but I think Crossman knows what I'm talking yeah, the, about. Yeah. The second it's one. It's like a the combination season, of <laughs> the 15 million merits episode. Yeah. Um, because that plot line basically exactly happens in this one. Yep. And like that episode where they have the cartoon politician mm-hmm. um, like start to gain traction and votes and there's some conflict over that. Or the but, reality that we live in at this moment. Yeah, yeah. or that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, cool that's it was interesting to see these yeah. themes revisited, I guess. And I, yeah. I love the Black Mirror. So. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you clearly do. I should watch it. Like, you're, you're not the Yeah, you person. can see they kind of stole the. The yeah, yeah. Episode I, I from think they, I mean, took, they, they had some inspiration it, from here, most likely, because it's yeah. a very similar plot point. Yeah, yeah. Have All you right. seen um, Broadcast News? No. Okay. Have you seen Broadcast News? I think I have. Yeah, uh, it came out in a similar era, uh, very similar setting. Uh, it, it's remarkable how much less thoughtful that movie is. <laughs> it, I mean, that it's dealing with these same ideas. I, I think it would be interesting to watch those alongside each other, mm-hmm. um, and and to just see what, how how it. How much that movie is also very popular and won a bunch of awards and has great performances in it, but it's just not engaging with anything that's happening in the world. Uh, they lived also has like similar, okay, very similar themes, um, but in like a sci fi setting, yeah, which I've not seen. Highly recommend They Live, yes, <laughs> you have before, it's super good. Um, 
Yeah. So uh, what's the, what's the uh, verdict on, on network? Did you enjoy it, Charles? Uh, when I was watching it, I, well, there were parts that I thought were very funny, but then there were intermediate <coughs> parts where it started to feel like it was dragging on a bit. Um, but like, it's one of those movies that I appreciate more after thinking about it more. There's a lot to think uh, about. And then combining it with the scenes that I did like. Um, and so it leads to, you know, I do like the movie a lot, I think. And it has some great writing, great acting. Um, yeah. Okay, liked it a lot. I think one of the funniest scenes is um, when they're trying to sign the contract yes. with the Somebody's <laughs> leader. Don't you uh, fuck with yeah, my now distribution. They, they know all the lingo, right? Yeah. They belt it out like it's yeah. Like they know it inside and out. And uh, one of the women, like the woman that they've like captured, who's yeah. a part of the group now, like runs forward, and yeah. the leader like fires up a pistol. <laughs> And the only person who reacts is like one lawyer out of like <laughs> yeah. the six lawyers that yeah. are lined up, and he just like freaks out, and everybody else is just like to- goes on like it's totally normal. <laughs> yeah, just keeps talking, yeah. 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 Like one of the like kind of uh, more heightened moments in the movie, I think, was yeah. that scene. Um, but yeah, and again, just underlining the the themes, right? That even these people who are like consciously opposing capital are like that. Yeah. yeah, like singing the singing the lingo and like picking yep. it up and getting really passionate about it. Yep. Yeah. Who was the actor who played him? The guy with the hat. Yeah. Yeah. A guy named Arthur Burkhart. Okay. Apparently, he's a voice actor now. <laughs> Good for him. Or was... so is Ned Beatty. He was in Toy Story. Oh. Yeah. Uh, he was in World of Warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> and he plays Thanatos. In God of War. Okay. No. Okay. So. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> he found his niche. He did. Oh. Um, I'm trying to find his like real like, acting who's Ned, career. Who's Ned Beatty in Toy Story? Was he the piggy bank? Oh, I'm not gonna remember. We can look it up. Okay. Um, but yeah, he was in he was in Toy Story. Uh, what yeah. are you looking for? Just like what else he was in? Because he he's like a good like kind of comic foil to the. Yeah, he barely has any lines. He doesn't do that much in this movie. Yeah, his presence is, like, funny. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Might they make fun of his the hat. They, then they show him in the next scene wearing the hat. The hat with the big sunglasses. Yeah. 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 Anyways, yeah. yeah, I thought that was funny. It was his second acting role. Wow. He was okay. in One Life to Live before this. <laughs> <laughs> and now one of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> right after yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. All right. All right, Grossman, your pick is up next. Uh, what are we? What are we watching? Yeah, so you went 60s to 70s. I'd like to go 70s to 80s. Super. Um, I'd like to do Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, that's such a funny movie. Yeah. (laughs) All-time funny movie. It's so good. All right. We'll see if Charles thinks it's funny. Yeah, yeah, we will. But um, I I like that movie a lot. All right. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, We're going to watch, excellently, uh, Beverly Hills Cop coming up. For our 30th episode. For our 30th episode, yes. That's a a good one. Yeah. Um, So if you like the show, please tell your friends, family, uh, everyone who likes movies, um, and join us next week.